census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Welcome, everyone, to episode 296 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Grayhope, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, we are broadcasting here from the newly revamped uh, Pat Cave. It's not completely done, still under construction, but a uh, newly revamped uh, Pat Cave of Magenta Manor. And we are brought to you, of course, by Deadly Grounds Coffee, as we are part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. And I am not here by myself. I, of course, am here. With my co-host on the show, my co-host in life, she is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, the Michael Phelps of Wine, and an honorary Lizzie, as well as the Queen Regent of Rosé. I almost forgot that one. She is Ashes Von Nightmare. She is still in her feelings over those last two episodes of Stranger Things. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I have thoughts and feelings about those episodes too. Okay, well, well, we have different feelings about things. And we do stuff, and but uh, we also have a guest. Mm-hmm. We have a guest, uh, our good buddy that we haven't had on for quite some time. It's been way too long. Uh, you might remember him from uh, some early, early episodes, and you'll know him from Epic Tales from the Sewer podcast. It's our good buddy. Justin Cooper. What's up, Coop? Let's play the game. Oh, that's... <laughs> we are uh we we Futurama have... reference guys. That's <laughs> we have you on today because we are talking about a film that is near and dear to your heart. Uh one that I just watched for the first time uh as a result of uh a project that I had been a part of. And I feel felt like you know what i should probably watch this you know especially because you know i just worked with the director so we today are going to be discussing uh some of the characters from uh 2002's a knight's tale uh or this one says 2001 it came out i think it was 2001 yeah for some reason i kept thinking it was 2002 for some reason that must be the letterbox widescreen edition available only at walmart's near you (laughs) <laughs> entirely entirely uh entirely possible. it's a steel box format that's found in the dollar bin <laughs> yeah well i i purchased this movie and it was not overly expensive so uh i was fine with that 13.99 on voodoo and it was 4.89 on blu-ray on amazon oh wow nice yeah so i was like oh yeah i can afford this um so I just watched this recently, but before we get into that, obviously we have our getting into character question and Coop, I gave you a little bit of a heads up on this because I wanted you to kind of like 
really think about it as opposed to just having it sprung on you. Because um, this one, it's not an easy question. It's one that we've asked in the past. Um, so, Ashes, I will start with you on this one because I asked you first. Our getting into character question this week is, if you were a knight, what would your sigil be? What would you fly on your banner and have on your shield and your armor? What would be the sigil under which you competed in tournaments and rode into battle? Okay. So we're going to go on a journey for a moment. So uh, buckle up, kids. <laughs> a, a, a cat wearing lipstick holding a glass of wine, throwing up metal horns, <laughs> and there's a pumpkin and bats. I almost jokingly said it's probably a cat drinking wine. Like, I'm going to see in the feet. <laughs> and it's pink, and there's glitter. Pink, glittery cat. Wearing lipstick. Wearing lipstick. Holding a wine glass. So like a drag cat? Yes! Yeah, okay. This is like that flag from our our, our uh, flag means death, right? I've not seen that. Oh, yet. you haven't seen the Taika Waititi? No, Taika we haven't. I do oh, enjoy Taika Waititi, but haven't watched that one yet. Okay, I, then I'll, I'll just leave this. So anyone who's seen this knows that, you know, what, what Ashes is talking about, her sigil, sounds like the pirate flag that uh, it, one of the guys from Game of Thrones uh, was on it. Uh, Christian Nairn. Yeah, so... Uh, Hodor. No, not not him. The other one, the the one who was trying to marry her with the Order of the Harpy and all that. I cannot remember his name, but I think he was in the Corella movie. Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, Hisdar Zalorak, the guy who wanted to open up the fighting pits. Yeah, trying to marry him. <laughs> and Patrick yeah. was summoned to the fifth dimension for saying his name in reverse. <laughs> Kebert Zella. <laughs> um. So yeah, I can. I mean, it might be a little busy by the time you read it. You're dead, you know. Might be a little, a uh, little busy, but that that does make sense, you know. Uh, especially if you ride in with uh, the sun uh, in front of you, like you know. Normally, you want to ride in with the sun at your back to distract your, you know, so that your enemies can't see you that well. But if you're riding in coming at the sun, it can reflect off your the glitter. So much holographic glitter. And just blind your enemies. More glitter than Studio 54. Blind your enemies. It's a lot of glitter. Uh, a lot of glitter. With extravagance. Unicorn. Oh, oh, wait. And the cat has a horn. Unicat. Unicat. Unikitty. It's a unikitty. Okay, so it's a unikitty. Drag unikitty. Drag unikitty wearing lipstick, holding a glass of wine, throwing up metal horns, and there's a pumpkin and bats. Okay. And it's pink and glitter. Coop, I will go with you since mine is going to be fairly obvious. Uh, Coop, what is <laughs> what is your sigil? It's it's so weird because like after hearing ashes, I kind of want to change it. But like I was thinking that the obvious one would be like a turtle, and you see the turtle shell, and it's got like two swords behind it. I'm like, okay, cool. That kind of like that kind of like gets the the idea around. But I thought of like. An orange slice, you know how it's all like segmented with mm -hmm. cinnamon, but you know I, I don't know what that says about me as a knight. You know that I'm like flavored for fall, you know, but it's something <laughs> along those lines. But like, I'm kind of you have a cold. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It'd be like this is our preferred profile. 
I don't know. You know, um, I, I guess it would it would be the turtle with the the swords. Join me if you've got a scurvy coming on. Exactly. So for me, I've actually uh, you now I've I've dealt with this because I'm working on a a story and there's a guy who is uh, the Shark Knight and his sigil uh, is a uh, it's a, a circle. And inside the circle is waves and a black fin uh, on a blue background, like a light blue background, uh, you know, dark blue waves with the sun uh, inside the circle. So that's what it would be. Uh, but he also carries a uh, my, my weapon of choice would be a war hammer shaped like a hammerhead shark. Oh, that's cool. So it has and like that- the eyes and all that. Yeah, and like that's like the the hammer end of it, you know. It's flat with like the two hammer ends that come out the the hammer eye ends, and on the sides would be the fins. Like the hammer is the body, so like yeah, that would be the whole. Thing. What would your uh, what would your colors be? I mean, if it's an orange, I can kind of guess, uh, or a turtle, I could also probably guess. Uh, a lovely shade of periwinkle. Which, uh, so because we were we were talking a little bit about this off air because I found a bag of Ninja Turtle uh, action figures. And if you remember the ones that came out in the early 90s, all the turtles were different colors. So, oh, yeah, I have like several within reach. So, which, <laughs> which, uh, which shade of green would your turtle be? Uh, the Leonardo green, which would, would be like uh, the Kermit the Frog green. Okay. So like bright, very visible, uh, mm-hmm. easy to see. Dab okay. of yellow mixed in, you know. So then you'd, you know. would it be like you know like the the traditional coat of arms with like the four, you know the the like the four quadrants behind it, like the turtle on like the four quadrants, and each one would like different colors, you know. With oh, the, I like that even better. That's that's really creative. Yeah, that's uh, the, I like the four of them. Yeah, and I the like turtle's that. right in the middle. You put a big rat in the middle, you know. You could have like the tor- the turtle shell with a rat on the shell, and then like on top of like the four colors, and each color has like the specific weapon. You could you could definitely do something like that. And um, your shield is round, but with a piece taken out of it to look like pizza. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> that would not that would not be bad. Like I remember watching the thirteenth warrior where they were breaking those wood shields, so I'm just thinking to myself, I don't know how good that would be. <laughs> well, you could blind your opponent with flavor. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, like like a little like orange and some cloves and like mulling spices, you know. Yeah, like, like hey, we're the coopers, we make nice barrels. Things. You know, yeah. that's that's what we do. The Coopers, we make barrels. What's in the barrels? Some delightful spiced mold wine. Fermented crab. <laughs> yeah, fermented crab. Hakalash. Yeah. It's like... Hakalash, yeah. <laughs> I would see I was I was thinking that you might be like, oh, it's a turtle in the shape of a barrel. Like that's what you oh, go into. Like you come into like you dress like your armor is like a, a... would that be a cask? Or, or you, um, you repurposed a, a barrel to make you look like a turtle, like you've got the like a turtle shell on the back. It's a half a barrel. Geez, that's that's getting into um, <laughs> getting Bombor. Yeah, Bombor from uh, uh, the Hobbit movie. Where he was attacking people from inside the barrel. 
Oh yeah, the on the river of questionable physics. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, it's so questionable. <laughs> oh, and you could have like gauntlets, but like they're little barrels that just fit around your your wrist. Like you could do a whole barrel turtle motif. You could make an, an Iron Man suit out of wooden barrels. Then wouldn't you just be Woodman? No, well, I, actually, then I would be like Woodman from like Mega Man, but. I, yeah, I would get the Ironwood from uh, from Game of Thrones, the Ironwood. There you go. Also yep. from uh, uh, Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Oh, okay. Ironwood. Yeah. All right. Well, that was interesting. Would you add any other uh, accessories to your like your ensemble, or would you just like? The Shark Knight guy that I have has a series of interlocking blades that go up his arm, but they're in the shape of a shark. So, like, the fins are blades, but he can wear it on his arm and use it as a, a weapon. Like, the nose is pointed, but it's flexible so he can move his arm. Are you are you asking me if I would have accessories? No, <laughs> if you would have accessories. Of course I would have accessories. Tell us about your shoes. <laughs> What are your you shoes like? Time to talk about all the accessories that I would have. Like my helmet would come up to a point, kind of be like a tiara, like a crown type thing. Oh, the king would not would not appreciate that. Well, fuck the king. Actually, that's an idea. Um, see what what color would your armor be? Oh, like. What am I wearing? <laughs> who am I? Who are you wearing? <laughs> who designed it? The kilt was for everyday use. In battle, we donned a full-length ball gown covered with sequins. <laughs> the object was to blind your opponent with extravagant, with luxury. I'm trying to remember the the quote from Groundskeeper Willie, where he's like talking. Uh, because they were talking about Scotchtoberfest and their Scotchtoberfest. <laughs> You used me, Skinner. You used, you used me. <laughs> but yeah, that's the whole like, like where I thought of like the extra like, like would you have like a a, a Rhaegar Targaryen like ruby encrusted breastplate, or would you have the simple like, just non, you know, just you know what. Captain Phasma like chrome. Ooh. Chrome. I'm gonna be so freaking shiny. So yes, very visible. Shiny. Your, shiny your... I was gonna say shinier than a snail <laughs> in Moana. He wasn't a snail, he was a crab. He was definitely a crab. There yes. was a snail in the never-ending story, <laughs> the racing snail. Mm -hmm. uh, but what would your what would your weapon of choice be then? Oh, a stiletto. So you're a single white female. Getting way oh, wow. close and personal in your... Take that, Stephen wow. Weber. <laughs> Give us wings. <laughs> um, I don't know. What would be a good one? See, I like the Warhammer, but like it. it that's not really practical, though. Is oh, it? it is like. I wish we would get a Robert's Rebellion series oh, uh, because, yeah. I mean, talking about Mark Addy being in this movie, um, 
in the books when they talk about Robert and his Warhammer, like he wielded it with one hand because he was so fucking strong. Like Ned struggled to lift it with two hands. And this is what he used to cave in the breastplate and all the ribs and everything of Rhaegar. And that's how he beat him on the, uh, the trident and take the, the mountain could have done that. So just, you know, yeah. And, and actually in Hodor too. I think the Hodor was like much, it was several years younger than Ned and Robert and the mountain was way younger. He's like half their age. So he wouldn't have been there. Oh no, I just I just mean that he could do it. Right, but like Robert was like strength wise on par with those guys back when he was, you know, rebelling, rebellioning, rebelling. I, I love that segue too because it's so perfect. And and it's like I know this was the first time you saw this movie. The first time I watched Game of Thrones, I'm like, wait a minute. Is that Roland? Yeah. Yeah, I uh I had I had made predictions about what would happen at the end of the movie and I was uh, incorrect <laughs> on some of them. I was like, like oh, yeah. his son's going to be an asshole. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, he's going to hook up with the blacksmith." And she's like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "The like you haven't seen like her handmaiden like making eyes at him. I'm like, "Clearly not." How like, did you not notice uh, Christiane? See, I I figured that, you know, the uh, the good nature. Well, we'll get into this. Uh, so we'll uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add or are you good? Oh, a mace. A mace. A mace. My mace weapon, is as always, is going to be uh, good service and competitive prices uh, on all of my <laughs> barrels. And uh, don't forget to stop on down. <laughs> Here's my card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's take a quick break and we'll talk. Uh, we'll hear a zombie talk about to- uh, coffee. And then uh, we'll be back in about 30 seconds to uh, get into our main discussion. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. All right. Even though we're recording this on StreamYard and not uh, through our normal means, um, we're going to play the trailer because I feel like that's a good thing to do because we always play the trailer when we talk uh, anything about movies. So here's the trailer from 2001, not 2002, 2001's A Knight's Tale. You can't be 
Yells his own name. I know. I'm like, it's like Braveheart, just odd. <laughs> it's it's so. It's the right. most dramatic tale about this movie, and this movie is not that serious. No, and watching this trailer because I didn't watch the trailer before we watched the movie, <laughs> but watching this trailer gives the impression that this is totally different, and. Also gives you the impression that uh, Paul Bettany is like some sort of high class gentleman. Um, when the first time you get to see him, <laughs> he's strolling down the street naked as the day oh, he no, was no, born. He's all strolling. He's trudging. Oh, yeah. He was trudging. <laughs> trudging. Right. trudging. What are you doing? Trudging. But isn't he a vision to behold? To uh, trudge the slow, weary, depressing, yet determined walk of a man who has nothing left in life except the impulse to simply soldier on. I thought that was, you know, because at that point we had already been introduced to three of the characters, you know, our main character and the two secondary characters. And I just thought that that was such a perfect introduction to uh, Mr. Jeffrey Chaucer. Yeah. Had had you ever read Canterbury Tales, uh, maybe yes. in high school? So yes, yes. I, I always go back to that. Whenever I hear the word yeoman, I go back to it and I, I think about it. And because when you read Canterbury Tales, there's there's only like three characters that he isn't being sarcastic about, and and this makes me think of that. So I want to start off by pointing out what to me is one of the most interesting Easter eggs I've ever come across so this movie was written and directed by brian helgeland who wrote and directed the recently wrapped and we should see in november film finest kind which i just worked on uh as a health and safety monitor watching 
this movie at the beginning when you know the credits are rolling the production company the or i should say the uh one of the uh, the, the first credits that you see is a finest kind production and i was like that's so weird and it made me regret not seeing this film because this is 100% something that I would have brought up to him and been like, hey, what is the significance of finest kind? Like what's, you know, the background? And hopefully we're going to get him on the show and we can ask him. But uh, you had posted, Coop, something about this uh, a month or so ago that you were watching it or that, you know. It was- oh, yeah something and i was like oh hey i'm working with the you know with with the director and you're like you know kind of joking like hey tell him i really like this movie and i'm like okay and i told him <laughs> the following day when i saw him um you're like hey my friend likes your fucking movie <laughs> it's like- <laughs> well it's funny because you know on the first day of filming i've told the story and i don't know if i've told it on the show or not did i tell the story on the show I might have told in another show. You've, I've heard. I don't know. Maybe, probably, maybe so, not. On the first day of filming, we were in Fairhaven, um, and we were well. It wasn't even the first day of filming. We were rehearsing. It was the day before, so we were in a bar in Fairhaven, and they were going through a couple of scenes, and I, because uh, apparently I have no no boundaries and no filter. Uh, went up to him during a break in filming. To, uh, I have to preface this. Academy Award winner, Brian Helgeland, who won an, an Academy Award for uh, the screenplay for uh, L.A. Confidential. He was also nominated wow. uh, for Mystic River. So the guy knows how to write a movie. So I went up to him and I said, uh, hey, can I... Uh, share an observation with you. <clears throat> and he's like, yeah, sure. You know, what, what, what's on your mind? And so I proceeded to uh, suggest how I could, how I would improve his dialogue that he had written. Me being someone who had been working in this industry for six months him being someone who had an Oscar and nominated for another. And I told Ashes, I texted her, I said, yeah, so this is what just happened. And she said, oh, so you're coming home early because you've been fired. And I said, no. He actually thought that it was a good idea and agreed with me. And when I said it to him, he was like, yeah, that makes so much sense because of this and that. And this. and I don't want to say what it was because I don't know if they used it or not. And I don't want to, you know, spoil anything for anybody because it's a fairly significant scene. But I was like, holy shit, like, this is pretty cool. And from then on, on an almost daily basis, like, he would go out of his way to come over and say hello to me or say hi or just, you know, just chat about whatever you know, when he had a moment or two, which was super cool, super rad dude. So uh, it was easy, you know, to, to tell him that you really enjoyed the movie and that you always have a good, a good time watching it. 
and his message to you was as much fun as you have watching it that's how much fun we had making it like, oh, I can't I can't imagine. Imagine. like it seems like it was a hell of a good time because you have all these super funny people all working together i mean alan tudyk and paul bettany are very funny individuals well, that says a lot, seeing as Heath Ledger knocked out one of Brian Hegelin's front teeth. Yes. With a broomstick when the two were demonstrating <laughs> a jousting move. It was several months before Hegelin's mouth had healed enough to repair the damage. He says it was the only jousting injury during the film. And I can see him uh, taking it in a good-natured way like he's very adamant about the safety of his crew um because we had several safety briefings uh um you know before certain scenes especially in the light of other things that had happened uh in the the world of movie making uh he wanted to assure us that we were going to be safe there were there were firearms that were going to be used uh and it was, uh, you know, very much on the forefront of his mind to be like, okay, this is, this is how this is going to work. And it uh, definitely, uh, for me at least, you know, being part of the health and safety team, put my mind at ease. Um, but yeah, the this movie, getting to see this, um, I don't know why it took me 20, 20 plus years, but I finally, I watched it and I was very happy because it, there's so many good actors in this. I mean, obviously Heath Ledger, who got a posthumous Oscar for his portrayal of the Joker, you know, Alan Tudyk, he went to Juilliard, uh, Mark Addy, uh, Rufus Sewell, who we were talking about a little bit uh, off air. I recognized from his uh, stellar performance as the main uh, antagonist in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. But Coop, you have a special connection to this film. Why don't you uh, share what that is uh, with uh, the folks out there? This film is my father. Oh, no, I, I actually watch, we have a tradition in our household and um, it has uh, transcended from previous household until this household, marriage to new marriage, um, that every Christmas Eve we watch a night tale. It's, it is our Christmas movie of choice. We just, uh, we watch it, we enjoy it. It's always something that leaves you with a positive outlook. I love the feeling more than anything that this movie gives me like after I watch it, it's just, you feel so jazzed up and you're like, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah. And everything is like, whether it's like so contrived and you're like, Oh, of course, or, or, Oh, that doesn't fit or anything. It doesn't matter because it's fun. It's just so damn fun. <laughs> that was one of the, the things I kept saying about, about this movie, like watching it. I was like, this is a lot of fun. Like you enjoy the characters uh, you enjoy the uh, the interaction they have with each other. Like nothing about them seems like copy and paste. Like they seem like they all have their own individual actions and 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 arcs. And 
while some of them may not get as fleshed out as you might like, like, you know, Mark Addy's character and, and, and Alan Tudyk's character didn't get as much, uh, as I might like. Paul Bettany definitely makes up for that. Uh, I mean, as far as like the secondary characters go, you know, you obviously knew, you knew where they were going though. I mean, they were there to support William, you know, they were yeah. there to push him out and to get him out there. So you could see him dancing along with Jocelyn and all that. So it's like, it, and I mean, like I didn't even notice, like I was just watching it again today. I, I didn't notice when, um, uh, Christiana had come up and, and she went to Mark Addy's character, Roland. She's like, what color will the tunic be tonight? I just today noticed that he took it from the tent. He was yeah. looking yeah. at the tent with the wooden <laughs> dowels. Yeah, yeah he, he Scarlet O'Hara that yeah. shit. Yes, not Will Scarlet O'Hara, but regular Scarlet O'Hara. from Georgia. <laughs> but like, he's sitting there and he's just like, green with like this design and wooden dowels. And it's just like, like it's so good, he Kaiser Soze'd it. Yeah, <laughs> like that's really what he did. Um, like obviously they had some like really funny comedic lines. Like you know you heard in the trailer. Like I think he's getting worse. Yeah, I think he is getting worse. Like when he's trying to learn how to joust. Like the whole thing kicks off. And again, Alan Tudyk was great in this scene, <laughs> where. The guy who was supposed to be jousting shit himself to death. Yeah, surrender. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and <laughs> what's his name? Trying to wake him up. Paul Bettany's trying to wake him up the whole time. No, he's not. What? He was. He was freaking out. Yeah, that's his name. His name is what? <laughs> Oh, what? I'm like, what? Like, the name what? of the man. It's what? <laughs> Who? No. No, it's what? <laughs> but like, he's trying to wake him up and and he's just like freaking out because he doesn't know what to do. And he's like, mm. William's just like, I'll do it. Well, I don't I mean, care. These, these poor men, you know, they are the squires to this night. They haven't had a hot meal in a while, you know, and the night was what one event away from winning winning something winning anything winning some money yeah getting some prize money you know they needed money so they could eat and so if, if, they, if they forfeited they wouldn't get anything and they wouldn't know where the, when when or where their next meal was coming from and all mark addy wanted to do was go home to london mm -hmm. um so they come up with this plan to take the suit off of the dead guy which i'm a little bummed we didn't actually see that because that must have been very comedic <laughs> fun to clean and put it on William. mr william because he was uh more suited to wear the armor uh, ah i see what you did there <laughs> But yeah, it, and and he competed in the tournament under Sir Ector's name because the other two, like you know, Alan Tudyk could not was not a fighter, and Mark no, Addy required a, the breastplate extender. Right. Well, it's a matter of the armor fit Will the best, and Will was willing to 
take upon all of that. He was willing, that. and the armor suited him. He and... was definitely the uh, the architect of the scheme. Oh yeah, well I mean, he's the only one with any skill that we that we know of, and. But what we find out is he actually kind of uh, gets to live out a fantasy during that time as well. You know, him wanting to be a knight and wanting to, you know, represent himself in such a way. And they they're able to kind of express their concerns while at the same time providing uh, expository dialogue without making it feel like expository dialogue. You know, setting the stakes. Yes, they're they're setting the stakes. If they find out you're not a noble, like bad shit will happen. You know, again, vague consequences, but vague consequences of like they better not find out. And it's like, oh, I'll just make something up. And all I could think of, you know, you made a Futurama reference earlier, uh, Coop, but all I could think of was when Bender entered the Fembot uh, bending event. As Coilette from Rabonia and the a national land he didn't make up. Yeah, the, the 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 national anthem is Hail Hail Rabonia, a land I didn't make up. And that's all I could think about from Gelderland. <laughs> and it's like that totally sounds like some shit that somebody made up. But it's a real place. I know, but it sounds made up. Where are you from? Gel- watching a horse get gelded. Gel <laughs> Gelder. Gelder land. <laughs> like, See, I want to know where they came up with Sir Ulrich von Liechtenstein. Well, Liechtenstein is a very small country. It's the second it's smallest country, country in all of Europe. Yes, behind Vatican City, slightly larger than Andorra and Monaco. But Monaco is a principality. Did you say Andorra? That's right, Derwood. <laughs> Capital is Andorra La Bella. I learned that in sixth grade. That's a drag name. And it's the first time I've ever had the opportunity to use it in a conversation. Um, so yeah, the uh the happening of a naked Jeffrey Chaucer who's like, <laughs> as far as I know, I may be wrong, but as far as I know, the only real person and this is kind of like nope maybe um, the prince i mean prince edward yeah. prince edward yeah well there's is, like 27 different edwards but it's actually based off of a real person the thing that's weird is jeffrey chaucer wrote the canterbury tales and this is based off the canterbury tales which were written yes after his adventures that he had like this the first chapter first story of the canterbury tales is called the knight's tale yes and this is just our knight's tale fun fact there is about a year of jeffrey chaucer's life that historians cannot place and it's so this is supposedly supposed to have taken place within that year right and well like and that's what's funny it's like this is based on a on you know the canterbury tales by jeffrey chaucer who in this movie is an actual character who bases the who uses the events of the movie to write the Canterbury Tales. Right, but it's brilliant. So it's cyclical. Yes, it's yeah, brilliant. It's, it's it's a chicken or egg thing. Like I loved it. Um, I love that aspect of it. Um, one of the best parts of this is like 
when they come across him, he's like, oh, this is what I do. And this is how I do it. Like, you know, I'm a fraud, by the way. Like, I provide fraud. Like, he's basically giving them a fake ID. He can provide you with a patent of nobility. Yes. You wouldn't so happen need one of those, would you? Hmm? Let me ride on that horse for a little bit. Give me some shoes and some pants and... Make You're that out to McLovin. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, that I thought was really, uh, really fun. So, Coop, when was the first time you saw this movie? We, we've gone over when I first saw this movie, like three weeks ago, two weeks ago. When did you first see it? 2003, to be specific. Uh, I, I saw it on DVD. We um, we got it. I, I was working at a Blockbuster so I actually brought it home to my uh, my bride at the time, and uh, we we watched it on DVD and just absolutely loved it. Ashes, what about you? When did you first see this? Two thousand one in the theater. Ooh, because nice. Heath Heath Ledger was like, you know, one of those guys. Like, you know, ten things I hate about you. Hot on the heels of that. Yes, I was a teenager you during were, those years. I 15. was a I was a target audience. Yep. Yes, and uh, did you watch him on Roar? No, I don't even. Know I caught up. I caught up with Roar. I think like many years later, but he was on a television show called Roar, which was kind of like this weird sort of barbarian, you know, meets the Roman Empire, looking for the tip of the spear of Longinus. I'm like, this is kind of weird. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, <laughs> that is interesting. It was like a what we would call now a CW show, but you mm. know, it was one of those like uh, Kung Fu: The Legend Continues and Time Tracks type of shows. Oh, I got you. So yeah, this came out uh, May eleventh, two thousand one. So you were fifteen. Wow. So you were a hundred percent the target audience. I was twenty. Coop, you were uh, probably right around the same age. Same age as you. Yep. Yep. Um, it was a budget of sixty-five million. It made one hundred seventeen, so it made fifty-two nice. million. Good deal. So almost, almost got its budget and itself back. You know, double its budget. Um, but Just that think was, of the merchandising. All the people with the Nike swoosh on their armor. You know. Yeah. <laughs> all the armor you see walking around with the swoop. That's where this is from. Merchandising. Where the real money from the movie is made. Um. A Knight's Tale, the flamethrower. The kids love that one. Um, there'll Jeez, be more Mel they have for this later movie? on. I, like scarves and head. like I don't I don't recall like not every movie needs merchandise, but I will just as an aside, if you've seen Lightyear, the best character is Socks the Cat. And we were out the other day and we saw a ton of Lightyear shit. Not one thing. Not one figure or like anything with Socks the Cat. Don't understand why. More Disney targeted marketing to where they're trying to appeal towards boys. No, this is no. the this is the bet. Like, this was Lightyear's cat. Like I don't understand why he why they didn't. Anyway, um, I'll take my Louisa doll and just walk out. Who is yeah? <laughs> who is your favorite of of these characters? Like who do you? <sighs> Good question. You look at and go, this is why I watch this movie. For oh, me, man. I'll, I'll give you a minute because I know my, for me, it's Paul Bettany. 
Paul Bettany's character of Jeffrey Chaucer is like it's he's almost like P.T. Barnum in a way. But he has, you know, because he's a writer, he has this way with words, you know, in a time where few people could even possibly read. He's got these great off the cuff speeches. And I think he's almost like a carnival barker. And that coupled with the fact that you have this medieval film, but with modern music, you know, like the opening is We Will Rock You by Queen. And it's not just playing over the action. The people in the crowd are doing the, you know, stomp, stomp, clap. But there's a there's a reason why he decided to use modern music as opposed to uh, keeping up with the times and doing using like maybe more Renaissance appropriate like fanfare. Music. Well, it's because he wanted the music to convey the emotion of what the people were feeling. People currently don't connect with medieval music. No, and I think this is it's one of the most brilliant touches. And it's called Baroque Core. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not Baroque, don't fix it. But what I That's love, right. I set them up, you knock them down. <laughs> <laughs> what I love though is that, you know, they didn't use current hits. They did use, you know, it was, it was considered classic rock I mean, even well, for that time. Yeah, cuz that was it came out in 2001 so, so 20 years old give or take you know they and they they did what other songs were were in there i'm trying to if acdc's in there you know you've got golden years um let's see what else uh we will rock you obviously we will we will rock you by queen taking care of business no yeah. by bachman turning overdrive that's right pcb by bto <laughs> the boys do an overtime yeah thin lizzie yeah little thin lizzie when they, they hit London, yeah, that was perfect. Like that was some that was some great stuff. And one of the better conflicts I thought was when it's uh Paul Bettany and Mark Addy and the young lady there who was the blacksmith. Kate. 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 Yep. I don't remember anybody's name except for like Paul everyone Bettany. else except for her, yes. <laughs> no, I like I I don't I don't remember their character names either. I just remember them because I'm familiar with them. And they're all like they're getting into like that like peeing race with uh, the French guys over who's going to win the tournament. Meanwhile, Billy von Lichtenstein is uh hooking up with the Countess of 5 and She's like, oh, if you love me, then lose. And they had just bet like everything they had. And he was just getting smoked. Like this dude's getting his ass kicked to prove that he loves this girl. And then she's like, all right, now win. And it's like, oh, bitch. Like, where was this? Like, all it would have taken Honestly, all it should have taken is like the first time he gets absolutely shelled by the fucking first Lance. That should have been the first time. It's like, whoa, he's willing to do this. All right, you can win now. Like, that's what it should have taken. But instead, he has to lose like several matches. 
there's so much behind that though no there is so, first of all you have william thatcher's character evolution becoming sir ulrich von lichtenstein uh changing his stars ultimately the one thing that he, he he's he's longing to do you know so you have all of that mm -hmm. jocelyn that's her name uh she the reason why she does that is because she has all of these knights all of these noble men throwing themselves at her i will win the tournament in your honor and she's just like ah prove insert it. eye roll here please you know william never says that to her yes she does eventually but he doesn't say it at first and that's why she's intrigued by him she said he because he he's says not your typical knight in the church because he's mace tyrell yes <laughs> because he's actually not a knight you know he wasn't bred a specific way you know he has attributes that are different to a knight you know he doesn't look up when his opponent is coming towards him jousting he looks you know he keeps eye contact with his opponent right he keeps he his eye on the prize away. he doesn't you know move his head for safety reasons because he, he was keeps... never trained exactly that he doesn't know exactly the fundamentals there are these little nuances that make him different and it's because he's not a knight and she sees that and that's what i think is you know I, I, obviously he's attracted to her because she's a really pretty girl uh eh. well, okay yeah, I yeah. You can stop. Um, I I've got a crush on the blacksmith. On, on I'm gonna say that yeah, I'm just Kate, saying Kate's better looking. I I have always had a crush on Kate, and you know she just sits there, and I'm like, wow, her hands are surprisingly clean for blacksmiths. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing under her nails. <laughs> How come we're all covered with shit? <laughs> wow, everyone has perfect teeth. Yeah. And, and another thing that you wouldn't have expected, you know, especially yeah. after getting hit in the face with lances and such. But you know, nowadays people don't uh, hear the name Lance very often. But back in medieval times, you heard the name Lance a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and the award for best pun. <laughs> if I don't already have that, I don't know. <laughs> have to get it from brandon um but no you were you're 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 completely right like he's because he doesn't come from that rich aristocratic you know if i don't have the skill or you know the the natural ability to get something i'll just buy it which is what uh count uh dick face of shit stania Oh, uh, uh, Adamar. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, you know how you really like this girl? Yeah, so like, I'm in talks with her dad because she's gonna marry me. She's gonna be my trophy. I'm gonna put her up on the mantle. And you know, this is a high school romance, right? Like, just in general, it's like you know, the outcast versus the jock. You know, oh like yeah, this, this oh, may as well be a skiing movie. You know, where they're gonna go down the black diamond together and. Stan Dorsch. <laughs> exactly. It's the same basic premise, and it's everything is simple about it, but it's it's really the execution that makes it work. And that also is the the you know to touch on what you're saying, 
uh, Ashes, it's the whole reason why, you know, the climax of the movie is allowed to happen because it's like, oh, it's Prince Edward. And it's like, yeah, and? It's like, oh, you have to, you know, quit or or just let him win. It's like, no. Because he sees part of himself in Prince Edward. Not only are they taking on a different moniker in order to compete, Mm -hmm. they're pretending to be something, someone that they're not for the love of the sport. And he wasn't going to be disrespectful to Prince Edward, who went under the name, what, Sir Thomas Colville or something like that? Yep, nailed it. Uh, Sir Thomas. Um he didn't want to disrespect him because he himself, William, as Sir Ulrich, would not want to be disrespected in that way. Right. This is a guy who's like, I want to. And it's funny because Mark Addy is in a very similar scene in Game of Thrones where, you know, he's this once proud warrior who wants to go and enter the tournament. And, you know, Ned has to talk him out of it because he's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're not going to prove how good you are because everyone will let you win. No one's going to hit you. So, like, you're not going to prove anything. And that's what uh, Edward was trying to avoid. It's like, I want to prove myself. I want to compete. I may not win. You know, nothing might come of this, but I at least want to take the, a shot. Right. It's for the <laughs> love and respect of the sport. You know, I'm just, it, it's basically what every politician, I'm just like you. <laughs> I, I come from, you know, wealth and power and, you know, I have all this advantage, but I'm just like you. But he was actually trying to get in there, you know, get his hands dirty. You know, this is Jeff well, Bezos like, cleaning well, the bathroom at a warehouse. Because you see the disappointment <laughs> on his face. When everybody just forfeits. Right. And it's like, well, with William, he's just like, no, like, nobody knows me. No one knows who I am. I come from a made-up country, which is apparently real, but, like, it sounds super made up. And, like, I don't have this upbringing and this... Uh, it's almost like baseball's unwritten rules. Like, you know, you yeah, don't yeah. want to break up a no hitter, you know, stuff like that. You, he totally bunted. Oh, he totally did. Yeah. Yeah. But then like after that initial, like that first clash, you know, he's like, yeah, I know who you are, you know? And he's like, Hey, thanks for treating me just like one of the guys, you know, as opposed to him coming in and being like, Oh, do you know who my dad is? My dad owns a dealership. Oh, I was gonna say that. I love it. <laughs> His dad owns a dealership, <laughs> uh, and like let him, and then gave him. Like, he he respected him by doing the joust with him in the first place, and then acknowledging who he was, and then forfeiting. But it's also one of those things too, where he could have injured him, right. It was like it was it was truly a gentleman's joust. Yes. You know, not looking to, you know, inflict any type of hurt onto your opponent. Yeah, they just, just they rode they just rode by each other. No, no I'm no, thinking that was that was later, later on yeah. with the guy the guy that got hurt. He didn't want to forfeit, he wanted to finish and he just kind of rode by him. Because again, it's 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 this He could and he 
that he has that 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 William as Sir Ulrich has. And the vampire and guy totally would have jabbed him right in the neck. Ultimately, ultimately, you know, this is what the, this one particular scene is so monumental to this film because that one scene is what helps William change his stars and that's what i'm saying like, which is what he's that, been trying to do like his entire life because he was raised you know like you're saying you know he he doesn't know how to be a knight properly he knows how to be the idealistic version of a knight like how many stories do we see about knights taking advantage of their their station you know game of thrones is full of it oh, yeah. you know all these different stories about like oh i'm a knight i can do what i want i'm a knight i can but do what i want he but, wanted to be a knight because he heard the stories the right. fables that were told about how he's, brave knights are he's noble and you know altruistic right. and they for always the people do the right they always do the right thing and he wants to be the knight from the story yes because you know, as someone who grew up not having all these advantages, he wanted to take advantage of the situation that, you know, was presented to him and use that to be like, yeah, I could get the girl. But like the, even at that point, like, you know, they go back and forth a lot. And what did he call her? Like a silly little girl or whatever. Like there's a specific term that he used. Oh God, hold on! I'll I've been watching it. a lot of Deadwood, so I'll refrain from commenting. But like, what what did he say? He what did he call her? Like a a little like because she told him he's just a boy on a horse with a stick. Oh, it was she better a silly girl with a flower than silly a silly girl with a horse on a stick? Can't eat a flower. It doesn't keep you warm. You know. <laughs> yeah, like that whole thing, and like that kind of gives a bit of insight as to who he really is. And, like, and isn't this also like the classic immigrant story too, where you have an immigrant coming to a country and he doesn't know how to fail. Right. Similarly with like the class here where he doesn't know how to fail as an upperclassman. He's just going to go and kind of like your, your uh, Alexander Hamilton too, you know, um, He's just going to keep going. He's going to keep his head up. He's going to do what he has to do to get that money so they can eat and all that. And in that that sort of pursuit is where he finds his success and his respect from everyone who is just at the level of class above him. Right. But they don't know that they're the, if they had known, like, you know, Mark Addy says at the beginning, if they had known who he was. He never would have gotten that opportunity but the fact that he lied about who he was to give himself the chance to compete and to show what his worth is, you know, it's very Aladdin diamond in the rough type, <laughs> yes, yeah. type mm -hmm. uh, uh, story where it's like, if you just like, there shouldn't be such a huge divide between class, like just because you were, you know, a situation over which you had no control, you know, who your parents are doesn't necessarily dictate the quality of a person you become. So like there's, there's that whole underlying thing, which is why this is such a, a, a well done, well-written film. And this cast is perfect for, um, uh, the characters that they need to be because at this point you know i don't know what else mark addy had been in 
um maybe like it was, wasn't like some sitcom he was in or something he, he did that after this and okay. after this he did uh, uh viva rock vegas where he played fred flintstone <laughs> Yes, he actually looks a lot like Fred Flintstone. So in the yeah, more yeah. so than uh, John Goodman did. Um, I, I feel like that's still splitting hairs because it's like you have two things that are awful, and you're going to compare them. <laughs> but then, anyway, <laughs> like, then you have you have um, you know Paul Bettany who went on shortly after this to do uh, A Beautiful Mind. Well, that, yeah, uh, that yeah. also came out in 2001. Yeah, and I think that came out later in the year, but yeah. I, I might be wrong. I mean, Priest uh, and what, what else was he doing at that time? You know, um, I mean, what was Alan Tudyk doing? Was he on Firefly at that point? He was on Firefly, which would have been in 2002. So at, at this point, that he probably filmed this and then went on to do Firefly. So like every like all these people, like Heath Ledger, I think had just done 10 Things I Hate About You. I think that came out right around the same time. His follow-up movie to this was called The Order. I also own that movie. Um, it is not a great movie, but uh, I do believe Sir Anthony Hopkins is in it. He plays um, he plays a priest, and um, Shannon Sossman is in it as well. The Order or The Right? Uh, the Order, this this one. Because um, I know Hopkins was in a movie called The Right where he played a priest. Maybe, but... maybe I'm thinking of that with Hopkins, but um, he is definitely so, – so this movie is about a sin eater which is such a novel concept where you're like, what? You know, it's, it's an interesting film, but it's not like, Oh my God, I have to go out and see that. If you're a completionist and you want to see all the Heath Ledger movies, go ahead. You can borrow my DVD copy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's absolutely fine. But if not, like I am sure you can find it streaming in a place near you, probably Tubi or, or something like that has it. Well, out of curiosity, um, if I were to use my, just watch app which if you don't have you totally should um because you put in all your uh, streaming services and it tells you where certain things are uh the order uh from 2003 it can be found on hbo max oh okay there you go there's also a Van Damme film called The Order, and that's probably not the same one that you're thinking of. I have also seen that one. It's not uh it's not as uh, <laughs> enjoyable. So not that Van Damme's films are not enjoyable, it's just that particular one was not great. But like so many of these these folks went on, like, you know, obviously Paul Bettany is a mega star with uh Marvel. Uh Heath Ledger obviously went on uh to do the Dark Knight. Um, yeah, he had a good seven years after this. I mean, uh, Brokeback Mountain, which a yep. lot of people give that movie shit. That's a great freaking film. Like in, in terms of everything. I, I remember when that came out and I was working at Blockbuster and everyone's like, I don't want to watch this movie. I don't want to watch it. And you watch it. I have seen people cry at that damn movie that you would not expect. So I will stand by that. That that wonderful Randy Quaid uh, performance. But yeah, like there's so many, there's, you know, so many of these folks went on to be you know, to have huge, huge success. I mean, uh, Brian was coming off of uh, it's funny because we, we, we talked about this because I was very curious in the same weekend, he won an Oscar for L.A. Confidential and a Razzie for The Postman. I love The Postman. Oh, my God. He did The Postman, too. 
And he wow. has. I'm this guy's biggest fan. Jesus. He has <laughs> both of those awards sitting next to each other in his office to kind of illustrate the duality of of the 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 way this business can go. He's like, yeah, sometimes you know you're up, sometimes you're down. Some people love you, some people hate you. He goes, I just I I have them both be. Because and he accepted both awards. Most people will not accept their Razzie awards, but he went and he got it. Ellie Berry did. Yeah. Right. Well, that was something most people won't because they don't want to, you know, admit that they could do anything bad or like it's just bad publicity. But it's like it happened. Whether you accept the statuette or not, it still happened. Um, you know, just the same as, you know, you have an Oscar, you know, you know, the, the, uh, the first suicide squad film is an Academy award winning movie. It's right. Like, for like editing or sound or something, right. Costume design. Oh yeah. That makes sense. You can't take that away from them. They, and they can call themselves an Academy award winning film. Doesn't matter what their rating is on rotten tomatoes. They are an Academy award winning film. Um, but like it's, you know, he went on after this to do Mystic River, you know, obviously Finest Kind, which I am a little biased, but I think that's going to be a really good film, uh, especially with the cast that's attached to it. Um, can you talk about that at all? I can talk a little bit about it. Um, you know, I can anything that's public knowledge, like, you know, who's in it, you know, uh, some of the locations, you know, because there were you know, the first day of filming, we were filming outside that same bar I was talking about in uh, Fairhaven and there were news crews there. You know, some people were uh, liars. Like there were some locals that showed up and like, oh, yeah, I saw Tommy Lee Jones here, you know, an hour ago. It's like, no, you didn't. He's not going to be here for like three weeks. So no, you didn't like <laughs> like he's in the movie. There was a day where I offered him sunscreen, but he, did he call uh, you slick? No, he did not. He, oh, damn it. <laughs> I don't even. He was just like, thanks, slick. Yeah, I lose my shit. Like he just I only did it because I, I under any other circumstances, I was not going to talk to him. I don't blame you. <laughs> I was offering it to people who were in his vicinity and I didn't want to be rude. I know he didn't want to be bothered. Didn't want to be bugged at all, but since I was standing there and offering it to everyone else, if I didn't, it was one of those conundrum things. It's like, I know this guy doesn't want me to talk to him, but I don't want to seem like a jerk. Th so. This may go back to maybe one of your recent episodes, but is he as two-faced as people say? <sighs> I didn't have enough of a react of, of an interaction with him to. I don't blame him, you, but you know, there's uh, you know, I, I interacted with a lot of the cast. Uh, Toby Wallace, one of the nicest people that you will ever meet, uh, especially on a film set. What what would I know Toby from? Um, he did a lot of Australian stuff. Um, but he did a, a movie called Baby Teeth that seems to be picking up some traction. Uh, that's his most recent thing. Um, Jenna Ortega is in this as well. I know Jenna, yeah. Uh, Ben, Ben Foster. Uh, oh, Aaron, so, okay. So that's, that's when you showed us the picture. Yeah. Yes. Aaron Stanford. Um, 
you know, some some Boss really is a good actor, man. Yeah. Uh some really cool people, really uh you know, down to earth, like love to chat with you. Brian did the same thing, like always like, Hey Brian, can I have a second? I always got a second to talk to you, man. Like come over, shake my hand. Like there was a day that he apologized. He came up to me at the end of the day and he's like, Hey, sorry, we didn't get a chance to talk, but I'll get you tomorrow. Like it's like you're Brian Helgeland and I'm some guy, you know, but like, that's how he was with the cast. Like, you know, he would talk to everyone and he was very nice. So I have no problem you know, buying his movie for four dollars and eighty nine cents, and and supporting him. Um, I own most of those ones. I didn't even realize that was his stuff. Like I, I, I love uh, Mystic River. Forty two wrote and directed that with Chadwick Boseman. G- great movie. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about the first uh, the first movie he wrote and about how different it was trying to tell a story without as much dialogue. That would be uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Four: The Dream Master. Um, bold statement following number three. Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, but yeah, getting back to uh, to this, we never got to who your favorite character was. I so I was thinking about it, and as much as I have a crush on Kate, um, my answer is going to be Watt. I think Watt is just one of these people that kind of moves everything along. You know, he's the one that takes the message to Jocelyn. I love the interactions that he has with Chaucer. So as great as Chaucer is like, I will fog pain, so much pain. You know, it's like, did she have a message for me? (laughs) That might've been my favorite scene. That's a good scene. Yeah. It's just, whatever those two are together, it's just, you're like, Oh, what are these two redheaded guys going to do? You know? And it's, it's just great. And, and, I mean, then he goes on to do Firefly and Pirate Steve and, you know, eventually we'll get to Resident Alien and all that. It's just like, man. He was, uh, he played a German guy in one of the Transformers movies. I forget which one, but he was like, uh, probably John John Turturro's like, uh, like personal bodyguard. He ends up like kicking the shit out of a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the third one. Yeah. I don't know. All those kind of fade together after a while. There's there's a franchise to skip. I'm gonna I'm gonna end up rewatching all. I we did like like a year ago or something like that, and I'm just like ah. Oh, I'll okay. get on these kicks where I watch like I just did all ten Hellraisers. So that's why they were there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so how about you there, uh, Ashes? What's uh? Who's your favorite character? Oh, Jeffrey Chaucer, hands down. Oh, yeah. No question. As as charismatic as Heath Ledger is in this film, um, he's not... Uh, I, I really enjoy him as an actor, um, but uh, appearance-wise, he's never done anything for me. Um, but I do, really <laughs> enjoy, I do really enjoy him. However... Paul Bettany comes on the screen and I'm just like, well, I mean, you know, you see his assets before you actually see his face. Um, Yeah, that man has some striking calves. It was... (laughs) It was... uh, It reminded me, he was the... It was Silas, the uh, albino from Da Vinci Code. I had forgotten. Yes. Yes. And fun fact and i didn't realize this because there's three of those movies there's that there's angels and demons and then there's inferno inferno yeah with ben foster with ben foster yep. 
but I loved how, like, in the mix of everything that was happening, uh, there was a lot going on with his character without giving too much exposition, without kind of beating you over the head with it. This is who this it's person revealed. Is. It's not like here's so, my backstory. Right, right. It's revealed as you um, go along. You know, and you have a gambling <laughs> problem. Right, but but even you know, <laughs> every character, you know, Roland Watt. Chaucer, uh, William, they all went through some sort of like character evolution throughout the, 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 the film. They ended up better off than they were when they started. And it's because they all took a chance on each other, on this mission, on this dream. You know, and it worked in their favor. And they never left each other's side. Yeah, had each other's back, and I really like that too. You know, uh, this really weird friendship that formed between the lot of them, Kate included. You know, um, doing things for the betterment of all of them, not just one of them. And even at the end, they only wanted the best for him. You know, when they it was found out that he was not really a fancy millionaire, that uh, they all told him to run, and he was like, "No, like." You know, I'm going to see this through all the way to the end, no matter what the consequences were. I knew what could happen if I did this. And I appreciate you guys all looking out for me. And we see that at the end when he's in the stockade and they're all like blocking him and, and standing in front of him, you know, blocking the tomatoes and the lettuce. Right, but, but <laughs> yeah. it was like, this is this is the man you were just cheering for yesterday. Yeah, nothing's changed. He's a fickle mistress. Yep. I mean, I have to agree with you. Like Paul Bettany, like as much as I love Alan Tudyk, but the, the entertainment factor alone that he brings to this film, whenever he got up and said that speech, that introduction, and it was different every time. For the time. first time, you know, of Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein. Not Savior of Italian virginity! <laughs> you know, uh, not only addressing the noble people in front of him, but the masses behind him, too, making everyone feel included. There was just something so special. And I don't think anybody else really could have played that character as well as Paul Bettany did. I you know, agree. being able to address everyone in that manner making everyone feel included well that's what i was saying like you know the, the whole pt well, barnum thing because they're all here for a show you're all here for the same thing it doesn't matter where you're sitting i will uh yeah i mean he makes a great point um and i will say that influenced another game of thrones scene when john first meets daenerys you know and you have Missande rattling off all the titles and everything, and that's this Paul is... Bettany. And then the guy introducing Count Dicula. Oh, yeah. He's just like, this is Jon Snow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's king in the north. <laughs> like, like, it, like, He's that, like mm, good. Good job, Davos. <laughs> yeah, like, that's all I could think of was like that specific scene. It's like, all right, so Brian did it, you know. And the, the illusions are so there too from Game of Thrones, like to, to pull from the Canterbury Tales and to pull from like this sort of subject. Half like like there's like a good amount of actors from this movie that were in Game of Thrones. Yeah, and and you know, you'll see a lot of that with um 
Neil, I've noticed in most of these like period pieces that have been coming out lately, like anything Robert Eggers does seems to have like if you look at the witch, it has uh I forget his name. I always want to call him Ralph Bellamy, but that's <laughs> the guy from Trading Places. Yeah, Randolph. <laughs> yeah. Uh that's yeah, and that that's not it's like Ralph something. He played Dagmar Klefja. He was on uh, Theon's side. And uh, Kate, what's her name, who played Lysa Aaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was also in Star Wars uh, with Jojen Reed. Um, like you see a lot of oh, these. Jojen was nice. Over, over and over again uh in these type of period pieces because they're you know they're used to it but they were also filming all in the same areas so you know and obviously you've got like mark addy and the guy who played mace tyrell uh and the other thing that's funny roger is he, ashton uh griffiths he was singing as the priest and he's like he's singing and there's the scene when they go to bravos and he starts singing and it, i just thought that was kind of interesting um yeah, Rufus, Rufus Sewell, who, who we haven't we haven't talked about much, is in one of my favorite sci-fi movies, uh, Dark City, which is just such a mind fucking crazy movie, you know. And and like they've based episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on it, you know. It's like it's one of the craziest performances that you'll see with Kiefer Sutherland. If if no one has seen Dark City, I highly recommend it. Actually, uh, Paul Bettany's uh, wife is in that movie, uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yes, yeah, Jennifer Connelly, who uh, I believe he met on the set of uh, Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy that I wanted to bring up because we we talked about him briefly. Let me get to him. Uh, the guy who played uh, Edward, James Purifoy. Yes, who the poor was man's also, uh, of Hugh Jackman, who is also uh, the uh, fake husband from uh, Resident Evil, the first yes, Resident yeah. Evil with Mila Jovovich. Yeah, uh, wouldn't want to shoot you. Might need the bullets. Like it's weird seeing him in like any type of good guy role. Did you like, guys watch I, Rome back in the day, like around this time period, like 2000, 2002? I've never seen that. We've so, also never seen Vikings. Oh, well, well, Rome is pretty cool because uh, like go back, going back to Game of Thrones, like Caesar was um, the, the guy that was, is it Mance Raider? The, the one who was the king behind the, the wall? Oh, Sierra, Sierra Hines. Yeah, so, so that was Caesar. Of, who was also the voice of Steppenwolf. So he played uh, Mark Antony. And, um, you know, he was bringing up Octavius and all that. And it's like, that's a huge role, you know? Mm-hmm. So I knew James Purifoy coming into this. I was like, oh my God, it's the guy from Rome, you know? And yeah, I didn't... and if you see the prestige, you know, it's like, oh, okay. They got, this is the guy that kind of looks like Hugh Jackman. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. yeah they, they use that to his advantage in the movie, the prestige. So he always has what I've noticed. He, he's never clean shaven. He always has like, a day of stubble in every role that he's in. That seems, that seems right. <laughs> it's so weird. Like certain, certain guys do that. And it's like, Oh, uh, Jason Statham always has like a day's worth of stubble. No matter how long it's been since he shaved, always a day worth of stubble. 
He's one of those guys I wish that, you know, it was like the crusty doll where you could just like turn the volume up on him. Like, I don't know, Tommy. No. It's like, hey, Jason, can you just give us a little more? You know, it's like, please don't whisper. You know, you're fighting a giant shark here, Jason. You know, it's yeah. like. You know, and, and I know you were you were referencing uh, Snatch there. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, I literally turned to my friends and I said, you know, in the right role, I think Jason Statham could be some kind of badass. Oh, yeah. Then the transporter comes out and all that. Yeah. Um, That's a great movie, too. You, you guys should do an episode on that one sometime. All of them, even the one with Nicholas Holt? Uh, the movie Snatch or you, which one? Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the transporter because there's four transporters. And no, you should absolutely not do anything on the transporter and we never reference it on Snatch. We covered Mickey from Snatch. Oh, did you, uh, Mickey? You like Dags? The... I like Dags. Maybe that's why I think of it. I don't know. I was it in the I mean, early days? Always... Maybe I missed that. It is. Yeah, it's an older episode. It's it's a Nicole episode. Do it for the caravan. My boys get a pair of new shoes. I was trying to remember when it was. Uh, it, it's a couple. Well, we've been doing this for six years and almost three hundred episodes. So, I mean, I, I, you can't miss my flawless Mickey impression. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Flawless. Oh, I'm gonna check this out. It's almost as good as my uh, Bergeron impression. Does it sound like your uh, John Travolta? No, Travolta is actually pretty good. That looks rent free in my head. My my Paul Giamatti's getting better too. Does it sound like this? <laughs> you gotta get the mouth going. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I think we've been we've been going for almost an hour and a half. So we should probably uh, wrap this up uh, before we go to our uh, our final segment. So, Coop, what? Uh, you know what what final thoughts do you have regarding this film and um i'm going to try something new this this literally just occurred to me just a second which is why i didn't mention it to you before you're watching this film for the first time you're sitting down you're nice you're comfortable what's one snack and one beverage that you would definitely pair with this film ah okay at, at the time that i saw it uh let's see uh it would have been no somebody like... who's never seen it somebody who's going to watch it now oh okay uh, well i mean i i feel like the answer should be some sort of wine i i'm going to go back to the mold wine you know something that has roots in history like either a, a, a cider or a lager or something like that that would have been like period specific maybe some mead you know, like you, you can go yeah. with that, like anything that you would you would get at like the Renaissance Fair. And um, the, the thing that sticks out is there's a scene where Watt talks about like these cakes that he wants to get when he gets back to England. And he talks about like peppermint cream. And I keep wondering what that is and what that would taste like. So I, I would say a cake with peppermint cream. I imagine it would be very similar to toothpaste. Yeah, just, you know, they, well, one thing that they are not aware of at that time. So <laughs> despite everyone with the perfect uh, dental, the flawless dental uh, uh, checkup, the big and... book of British smiles, <laughs> <laughs> not in this movie, <laughs> I, I, I would say for for thoughts about this film, 
watch movies that make you feel good. Watch movies that you like. You know, they, they talk about like popcorn movies and all that. Not everything has to be Citizen Kane. This movie is like a play that's fun that you can watch where everybody's obviously enjoying themselves. The performances are, are, are just so they lend themselves to where you like these characters and you know, you, you just want to see these little interactions of what they're going to do with each other and find your night's tale, find your firefly, Tina, you know, Bob's burgers, but um, mm -hmm. find, find your night's tale guys, find that movie that you're going to go to every year on, on Christmas or whatever you celebrate and watch with your family that is going to fill your cup and make you feel as good as this makes us feel. Well, you, you compared it to something, uh, in our, our uh, chat discussion the other day, you compared it to carnival food. It is. It's it's like uh, carnival food where it's it's not a full meal. It's not part of your your food groups and all that. It'll it'll fill you up, you know. But it's not necessarily you know healthy. But you know it's going to fill you up. Yeah, I think I that's forgot I did answer. that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break, and when we'll be back, we'll we'll wrap things up. We have a new battle for you. And uh, yeah, so what I'm going to do is uh, I'm just going to play a quick clip because I'm not in the normal uh, recording thing. Uh, we're going to do a song from the original soundtrack that won't get us a copyright strike or anything that I'm aware of. So I'll be right back. And we're back because uh, I don't know how much of this I can play without us uh, getting some kind of uh, copyright strike or anything. So, Coop, before we go, we're going to have you uh, join us on our uh, our battle because uh, we were talking about this prior to the show because we were like, oh, we should probably do a battle because this is a battle episode, especially where we're talking about knights and things. But... Ashes, I know you know, but Coop, do you know what it means when we have a new battle? That it's time for to play the battle music? That's right. It's time for... <laughs> the battle theme! Here we go. Any minute. It's gonna play. Let's go. Almost. All right. So, uh, did you happen to think of a title for our battle? This is all you this, this week. This is Kathy. all me this week because we did not 
uh, cover this in rehearsal because we don't do rehearsal. So we can call this uh, a, a tale of multiple nights. Night battle today. Nights and tights. Nights and tights. There we go. So basically, our uh, our battle this week, it's not a physical contest, but it's more of a, a would-you-rather situation. So this week, our, uh, our battle, for lack of a better term, because, again, it's not a physical contest, is which crew would you rather join? Which, which entourage would be the most enjoyable? We have, obviously, the crew from A Knight's Tale. Or, we're just going to make this a, you know, two, two choices. You can either choose the crew from the Knight's Tale, uh, A Knight's Tale, not the Chaucer one, or the crew from Robin Hood Men in Tights. Which would include obviously Robin Hood, Robin of Loxley, Little John, Will Scarlet O'Hara, and Achu. Bless you. So you can choose either of those. I don't think there's really any wrong choice, but you know, it's it's hard to put them against each other physically because the only ones that you know really have any fighting prowess on the uh, the side of. Uh, William Thatcher is William Thatcher. Uh, Chaucer's not much of a a, a combatant. Um, what? Sure, uh, he does like to get into the the odd scuffle here and there. Uh, not Mark Addy and 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 not Kate the blacksmith. Um, Call the locksmith. <laughs> yes, call the blacksmith. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, that's our, our battle for this week. Uh, you know, the hastily put together. Uh, we forgot that we needed a battle this week because we were more concentrated on getting Coop on the show. Uh, Guys, the connection to Robin Hood here is that the actor that played Sir Sir Ector, uh, Nick Brimble, uh, played Little John in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the Kevin Costner film from what, like 1991 or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, you see him and you're like, I know that guy. And you're like, yep, that's that's John Little. Honestly, I only ever remember Alan Rickman and like his line where he's like talking to all these different women. He's like, you, 10 o'clock, be in my room. You, 1015, bring a friend. I, I remember the spoon part. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, that's the guy he threatened with, with a spoon. <laughs> that's the guy he threatened to cut his heart out with a spoon. Yes. And Guy of Gisbon played by, uh, what's his name? Big Time from The Crow. And he's like, why a spoon, cousin? Why not a knife or a fork? Because <laughs> it's dull. It'll hurt more. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes, I remember that part. Those are all the best parts of that movie. There is no need to go back and watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> yes, you are entirely correct. Damn Unless English you want... Unless you want some context for Robin Hood Men in Tights. Because unlike some Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. It was like the biggest knock on Costner where like he. Ref but, you know, if you're going to say that, then you have to. You have to give 
Russell Crowe the same ration of shit for being the Australian guy who's supposed to be a Spaniard fighting in Italy. I thought you were talking about his Robin Hood movie. Where oh, he played no, Robin I didn't Hood. see that. Well, no, he spoke with an Australian accent. Which... Oh, yeah. I, was... I like the Taron Edgerton one way better. With Jamie Foxx? Better than the Robin Hood with um, uh, Kevin Costner? Yeah. There's only one good Robin Hood movie aside from Robin Hood Men in Tights, and that is the Walt Disney version. Because no one wants a Robin Hood movie. What What about uh, the Adventures of Robin Hood with uh, Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland? That's that's a fantastic one. That they based Looney Tunes off of this. That's almost a hundred years old. I'm aware of it. I have the commemorative DVD. <laughs> I will hang in my head in shame. <laughs> that's okay. It's no, it's fine. It's just. Mm. But yeah, Peter Ustinov as. Um, as a uh, uh, Prince John, yeah, that's that's the voice that you hear in your head. Oh, oh, yeah. I've got a dirty thumb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to be in that crew. Forget, forget this battle. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You get the you got the 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 chicken singing the singing the nod and nodding. Alan and Dale, yeah. Um, so Coop. Uh, where can people find you? Seems like in this chair most of the time, but uh... <laughs> my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my house. <laughs> you you can find me on so many places. Most of them affiliated with the wonderful Dorkening uh, Network. Um, you know who who has uh, such wonderful shows, um, such as uh, the Dork Knight, a Batman podcast uh, starring Leo Pond, Brandon Powers, and myself. Also, Comics Paradox, which these are brand new shows. And uh, also starring the three of us, we, we do them bi-weekly. Uh, Comics Paradox is a story um, all about alternate universes. So, And then ba- The Dork Knight's all about Batman. I do Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast, which is where we cover the Ninja Turtles comics. And I actually do the voices for the Turtles. And we interview people who are uh, either the creators, artists, writers, you know, turtle adjacent. Yes, or Shredder. Yeah, or, or Shredder. You know, I'm I'm still doing Geek Life HQ, which is a, a podcast we've we've gone kind of to bi weekly, but we we talk about all kinds of stuff and crack jokes about farts and whatever. And um, uh, recently, I was on the Beard Al podcast, which is uh, a podcast all about the two best things in the world: beer and Weird Al Yankovic. So I, I'm kind of all over the place. You are. You are a man of many podcasting talents, and we appreciate you. Uh, joining, but I us only in- have one favorite show, Patsy, and that is this show. You're just saying that because you're on it. No, I say it all the time. Actually, <laughs> I, I think I told Old Man Wade that the other day. Just to be sure. it's, it's it's like you know when you you guest on so many shows, it's like you know at a con at, at a concert. I think this crowd is the best crowd we've had in the entire tour. Who's with me, Springton? I'm trying to bring a thrill to the gray little lives. <laughs> like uh, the Flaming Moe's episode. Hello, St. Louis! Where's <laughs> yeah, rock! <laughs> Good night, Springton. There will be no encore. Drag. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you for, uh, for showing up. And where do you like people following you on uh, the social media? 
you can you can check me out on Facebook, uh, Justin Cooper. Check out Epic Shells, the Facebook group, all dedicated to Ninja Turtles. You can you can find me on my very new website, EpicTalesFromTheSewers.com, which has every link to any type of podcast listening device that you want. Um, you know, or other places. You know, if 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 I'm hard to find, then you're not looking. So <laughs> that's that's fair. I actually, I'm in an infomercial. Like if you Google me, I'm in a mortgage infomercial, which is kind of crazy. So, Reverse mortgage? <laughs> I did I did that at one point, but no, not not for this one. So, Are you Tom Selleck? Wait, is it Tom Selleck or who's the other guy? Burt Reynolds? No, it's Tom Selleck. I used to get the two of them confused because they were both I like their heads with a mustache. I didn't know I, who. I know who. Henry Winkler does those. Henry Winkler did not have a mustache. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm get a soft pretzel. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, and it's always a pleasure having you on. Uh, yeah, we look forward to having you on again soon. Like the whole reason why we did this episode and why I watched this movie is because you were raving about how good it was, and then I realized that Brian did it, so I was like, oh, I should probably watch this, and I probably should have watched it while I was still working on the film while we were still shooting. Probably would have made more sense, but. Hey, it is what it is. But thanks again for uh, joining us, and we look forward to hearing you soon. And I think with that, do you have anything else you want to add? Yes. Nope. All right. Nope, so with good. that, we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday.